This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor in the other room. They are the at times confusing but always excellent production team here on Sportsnet today. Know anything to say about that, Cam? Oh, you're throwing at me. No, uh, I was just I called you confusing and yeah, I'll take Good that. Your job, but confusing. I'll take that. Strange Pros and cons of it. Yeah. Uh, covered lots of ground in hour one of the Craig Conroy to-do list after he was introduced as the team's eighth GM yesterday. Plus uh, a little bit of uh, GM talk around the league with Kyle Dubas, Brad Treliving, Brendan Shanahan. All that situation, uh, Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca joining us in the first hour as well. That'll be up shortly. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify, etc., etc. We're uh, continuing the Craig Conroy chat uh, to kick off hour two, though. And uh, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Uh, you know him as the uh, host of Flames TV. He is Brendan Parker. He joins us this afternoon uh, for a little bit more on Craig Conroy. Uh, an announcement yesterday. Parks, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, busy day yesterday. You were there with us in the uh, Ed Whalen Media Lounge for the big announcement. And uh, I guess just your uh, overall reaction. We kind of knew this was coming, but uh, finally got made official. What did you make of what you heard yesterday from uh, Craig Conroy and the other Flames executives? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a great day. I, you know, I thought when you, you know, kind of look at uh, who was on hand, uh, you know, seeing obviously uh, Craig's family and uh, and even Lanny McDonald there, obviously the rest of his management staff, um, you know, you can tell it's a significant day. It's a significant day for, for Craig and, and deservedly so. And, and for the organization, this is, uh, you know, it's obviously a big corn, uh, cornerstone, a turning point. You know, anytime you, you know, change – uh, you know, a person at that level of management, um, you know, something that hasn't happened a lot in franchise history, just the eighth, you know, full-time general manager. Um, you know, I, I think it's a big deal. And I think, you know, you could see the excitement on his face, uh, on Craig's face. And, and, and yet the, you know, I think that the focus too, I think this is a guy that, you know, based on everything we're, we're hearing and, and everything we heard yesterday and, get the chance to sit down for another you know 20 minutes or so after the press conference with them and uh on the flanks tv podcast and i, I just you know obviously there's some excitement uh he called it his dream job but I, but i think it's a guy that that's given this job this position a lot of thought over the years as well and and specific to the team and where it's at right now and i think that was if if i'm a flames fan if i'm a flames employee uh you know somebody who's just sort of listening and watching uh, everything that's going on that might, you know, provide maybe the most optimism is uh, just everything you heard from Craig yesterday and, uh, and the management staff. And I think, I think there's a level of excitement, you know, both internally and externally. And, and I think, um, 
you know, that that's fair. I think everything we heard yesterday is kind of uh, what adds to that. And, um, you know, it's just kind of, uh, and I'm sure he's kind of same thing. It, he said it was a, you know, felt sort of natural yesterday, given the fact that they were in their amateur scouting meetings that, you know, that's something that he's done a, a lot over his time, whether it was as an assistant or an AGM, uh, it, it kind of just felt like uh, sort of a natural progression that they happen to be in those amateur meetings at the time. And he'll go through those here the next few days. And then, you know, some of the bigger business will uh, continue on after that. I want to circle back to Craig in just a couple here, but I wanted to ask you about Brad Pascal and, and Chris Snow and the expanded roles and titles that they got yesterday as part of the news as well. And we know they were such important pieces to what Brad Treliving did during his time here. And I, I thought, and I'm sure you'd agree, Parks, it was awesome to see them uh, remain as part of the organization and to be key parts of, of Craig Conroy's staff going forward. Yeah, no question. And that was, um, you know, one of the things I thought was great, you know, early on in his opening address, kind of his remarks, uh, you know, that he made sure to, you know, talk about not only, you know, Brad and, and Chris, but everybody else within that management office, Mike Burke and, and so on and so forth. And he granted it just about, you know, how it is a team. It's a big team and it's a team that's been together for a little while. And I think, you know, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And um, and that's one of the things that Craig talked about is that they kind of know each other too. And, and he talked specifically about his relationship with Chris Snow. And, um, you know, we know, uh, you know, specifically contract work and obviously the analytics and, and he heads up that department. You know, he said, you know, two good friends, two guys who've worked together for a long time, but not always in agreement. And he'd be the first to admit that they've had some battles over the years. But I think that that's important. Um it, it was one thing he laid out about the head coach as well, but I think I think it's something you have to see right from the top down is that guys are willing to push each other when they believe in something, whether that's you know some a younger player, uh, whether that's you know identifying uh, other players uh, around the league, uh, strengths and weaknesses all across the board, but just to be willing to stand on your opinion, to challenge each other, and I think you know that's something that he said was extremely important and something he has already within his own you know management. And part of that is Chris Snow and, and uh, Brad Pascal. And now, you know, they'll add Dave Nonis in there as well and Don Maloney, of course. But, you know, I think you can tell that it means a lot to Craig that those guys still have a huge part of this. And, you know, we've seen the work that Brad Pascal's done with the Wranglers and, you know, a team that has been successful for, you know, whether it be in Stockton or here, here this past season in Calgary, you know, perennial uh, power in the, in the American Hockey League. And they have been with different personnel. So I think you can see that. Uh, that's something that's built up uh, now over the last few years, and they've all had a big hand in it. So, you know, without without a doubt, they're all going to, you know, play a huge role moving forward. And I think, you know, you could hear just talking to Craig Conroy how important that was to him. Uh, you mentioned Dave Nonis there, and I thought uh, that was an incredibly interesting hire from uh, a Flames perspective to give Craig a guy that's been a GM in two Canadian markets. We talked about that a lot yesterday, and I know Dave had that brought up to him, but I thought that was a smart move by Don Maloney to bring in a guy with that kind of experience. And, and let's be honest, Parks, you know, to bring in a guy that does have a fresh set of eyes on this organization is something that is only going to help Craig Conroy with so many decisions and, and big decisions that he's going to have to make as GM. Yeah, no question. And, and I think one of the things he pointed out right away was, was first of all, as you mentioned, it was the fresh set of eyes. It's kind of getting a, you know, an audit when you're in it every day, you might have, uh, you might see things differently than somebody who's looking at it, you know, from far away. And I think Dave immediately provides that. But I, I did think it was interesting in that they, 
they were both kind of aligned on a lot of things, um, you know, with respect to the way the roster is constructed, with, with respect to how they hope to see things moving forward. And, and part of that was about the youth movement. It was about, you know, getting younger players uh, into the lineup, giving them opportunities. And, and, you know, Craig talked about the importance of, especially in the salary cap era of uh, making sure you guys, you have guys on entry level contracts or, in, uh, you know, pushing for jobs, not, not getting jobs, but pushing and earning jobs but uh, but playing a significant role in your lineup. And I think, you know, that's something that, you know, everyone was, was asking about here over the last couple of years, whether it be Jacob Pelche, you know, Walker Dewar, and so on and so forth. And then you see the production that we've seen, you know, in uh, with the Calgary Wranglers, and, and you, you have to imagine that, that some of these guys are going to be ready to try and take another step. And I think just to see that that opportunity, whether it's from Craig or whether it's from Dave Onis, they seem to be aligned on that. And, and I think it has to be that way because, um, you know, obviously the head coach will be the next part of it. But, but you have to have guys who have opportunities when they come into training camp and, and they're not going to be given it. You know, they have to take a jersey, as he said, but, but there is going to be opportunities for these guys to come in and make an impression. And I think that's something that we heard, you know, from, from every chair up on that stage yesterday, which is, which is a good thing. One big thing that Craig mentioned yesterday to us in the general media, and I know mentioned it with you guys on the, uh, the Flames TV podcast, Two Parks, was making this a fun place to be again and, you know, having that, that fun environment for everybody and not, you know, not taking shots at anybody that was here previously, but this is what Craig wants to do and that's how he wants to the organization to be. How refreshing was it to, to hear him talk about that? He still expects everyone to, to work hard and make no mistake, you're here to, to do a job, but... He definitely wants to, to set an atmosphere that's fun for everyone to show up, and that was something he didn't think um, players were doing a lot of at times last year. Yeah, it was one of the things he said. You know, I, I'd look down at the bench, and, and you know, and he'd ask, you know, are, are these guys having fun? I don't know. I don't know if they're having fun, and that's one thing he said. Um, you know, I, I think it was two things for me that stood out. Obviously, the fun side. Um, you know, that was the clip that kind of jumped out at us yesterday. And and to be fair, you, you know, that's it's sports. We, it has to be fun. I think there always has to be an element of fun, but he made sure to preface that by saying, that's not to say that accountability won't be there. I, I think, I think they have to go together. Um, but it was also kind of partially what he talked about when he was looking at, you know, in terms of qualifications and, and, and what it might look like to be the next head coach of the Calgary flames is you want somebody that's animated, somebody who can communicate with players, but also he, he said, he's been watching uh, teams around the league and just seeing what coaches are doing. And, and we want to see, you know, a little bit of animation on the bench and, and to see players having the opportunity to, to express some of that personality when it's time and when it fits. And, um, you know, that's not to say that there isn't going to be accountability. You still have a job to do. And if you're not doing that job, you're not going to play. There is, uh, there is an accountability that comes with it, but, but this is supposed to be, this is sports at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, uh, you're not going to enjoy coming to work every day. And I think if there's one thing that you could take away from that presser yesterday or any interaction you've ever had with Craig Conroy, and, and you know, and I'm sure you've had a number of them as well as have I, and, and that's that infectious personality. Uh, it starts at the top and, and it'll, and it'll trickle all the way down. And, and you see it anytime you run into Craig in the hallways. And I think, you know, the fact that he's standing there yesterday and, and expressing how important that fun side of it is going to be, you know, I think it's going to create a culture and, you know, it was winning and it was fun. And that's, you know, that's what he talked about yesterday. And I think if, 
if you're if you're having fun, you got a better chance of being a winning team, especially if that accountability is still there. And I think that's exactly you know the the method or the formula that he's hoping to move into the next season and beyond. How did you uh, sort of react to it, Parks, when you heard him talk about, I was happy that, that Don went through this process and, and interviewed as many people that he did. To me, it really showed a guy that I, I think wanted this job. And like he, he talked about with you guys, and he talked about with everybody, it's a dream job for him. And he always wanted to be in the GM of the Calgary Flames. He never really knew if it was going to happen or not. But at the end of the day, he sounded like a guy who was happy that he got there on merit and not on the fact that he is uh, the nice guy that we talk about, that we have all these interactions. He was—he seemed genuinely happy that Don Maloney went through a list of 35 or whatever, however many guys it was, and came to the determination that Craig Connor was the right guy for the job. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you look at it just from, from your own personal standpoint, if you knew that uh, your employer went, went through 35 candidates and you were the best one. I mean, how can that not make you feel, you know, good about what you either, you know, projected in those interviews, what, what plan you presented and just the type of person and, and, um, and character you are. I think we all know that if it was a personality contest, it would, <laughs> it would be a landslide victory anyway. And that's kind of one thing you joked about, but you know, this wasn't about that. And, and I think when you, listen to some of the names that have come out, experienced managers, uh, guys who've been around hockey for a long time, who've, who've experienced winning at different levels. Um, and and to, to know that you were the guy that was chosen for the right reason, how can that not make you feel good as a, as a general manager? And I think, listen, he, he talked about when he finished playing, he didn't know exactly what he was going to do. And he, and he explained that, you know, with us, uh, as a player, when you transition, you know, as a player, all you think about is winning. You think about, you know, going through the off season, getting back on the ice and, and all you care about is doing the best thing you can to put yourself in a position to win a Stanley cup. And that transition into a management role is difficult. But I think, you know, the one thing that Craig Conroy as a player, you know, played over a thousand games over 500 in Calgary, you know, he, he's really done it all. I mean, he really did put him, he was, a, as he laid out on our podcast, he, he was a top line center. He was a fourth line center. You know, he grinded his way to where he is. And I think you can say the same about, you know, the type of manager he is or the guy that he's been since since leaving as a player because he's done it all. He's had his boots on the ground. He's been scouting. He's traveled everywhere. Uh, you know, you just talk to him throughout the season and, and he'll lay out his itinerary and it's, it's not for the faint of heart. The guy is, he's going around, he's watching players, he's identifying, he's scouting. And I think, you know, that really speaks to his knowledge of the game, but his work ethic too. And I think he, he put in his time, he, he's ready for this opportunity. And as an organization, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, it, it's the right thing to do and, and it's an exciting opportunity for him. But I think, I think it was all the work that he put in that allowed him to be in this position and and absolutely, it's the feather in the cap knowing that you beat out every other candidate because you're the right person for the job. Brendan Parker is along with us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You know him as the host of Flames TV. Uh, a couple more for you, Parks. And I wanted to uh, start with an interesting one that we kind of went through his to-do list of things and some big options and things that are going to be coming up for him this offseason to work on. And I, I think the, one of the more intriguing ones is, is going to be this head coaching hire. And I liked how he put it that he didn't have you know, a real set list. It could be somebody with very little experience. It could be somebody with a lot of experience. But the one thing I think is going to be interesting about this higher parks is he's going to try to do what his predecessor and Brad Living really wasn't able to do, and that was find a long-term head coach. And I don't put that all on tree by any means. I know 
there were so many other things that, that came about here, but let's be honest, they, they have changed the head coach a lot over the last couple of years here in Calgary. And I think Craig's going to want to have to find a fire uh, hire, excuse me, that, uh, that lasts a little bit longer than some of the coaches we've seen here in Calgary lately. Yeah. And, and I think it's an important part of it. I think as a, as a general manager, hiring a coach, um, you know, is, is really important. You want to have the right person who can, you know, who can lead from the front and leadership is a huge part of it. Obviously, you know, Craig has that and that's why, you know, he's in the position he is, but you need somebody who, who can do that from the locker room as well. And I think, you know, as a manager, it is going to be one of the more important tasks that's on your plate um, whenever this time comes. And, and for him, it'll be one of his first tasks, you know, they'll get through these amateur scouting and then he'll have to, you know, go through this process for a first time and identify some candidates and people who have those, those qualifications that he's laid out in his head and laid out to the media yesterday. And I think, you know, in terms of the longevity, you know, obviously you would want somebody who's going to be there and grow with your team. I think that's always going to be the goal. Um, In a lot of ways, it's too simplistic to, to lay it out. I don't think that that's your, I don't think that that you, you go in there with that as your number one priority. I think that would be, uh, you'd be happy to have that result if that's the case. But listen, I mean, when you look at, most teams across the National Hockey League, you know, the, the, the seniority or the, the tenure doesn't necessarily, you know, last that long because, uh, you know, the message sometimes gets stale or whatever it might be. I think you're just looking to make sure that you make the right decision for what this team is now. And I think given what we heard yesterday, you know, he has, he has some very specific things, some, some, some traits that he's looking for in, in someone who can come in there and, and, and be a leader but communicate and then obviously work together with Craig Conroy. And I think that was one thing that was, it was evident when he, when he said it, we need to be able to work together, communicate, and, and that's going to be a top priority. And I think that that opens the door, as you said, even just with the experience, it opens the door to, to some interesting candidates. And I think we've seen, you know, coaches come in at different times throughout the league's history uh, with very little NHL head coaching experience. They've had success, uh, and so maybe maybe it's going to be one of those. Maybe it's going to be someone with experience. I think I think more than anything, it's just going to be interesting to see how Craig Conroy is able to go through this process for the first time and and really identify who he thinks is a great fit for this team now because that can change down the road. You make decisions based on who the personnel are and and who it is, and they'll go through that process as well. But I think it's about trying to find the right fit for this group now and and allowing your team to have success starting next season. Any of those names uh, that have been out there as far as head coaching candidates go that really intrigue you at all for the next head coach? Yeah, there's a lot. And I know a lot of it's speculation and you know, I'm not going to dive down, you know, the, the rabbit hole too deep, but I mm-hmm. think, you know, if you look at the internal ones specifically, we know that there'll be candidates because, you know, there's some experience there in terms of the people who they are and Ryan Hoska and, and Mitch Love and Kirk Muller and, and just based on all you know, my interactions are more limited with, with Mitch Love, obviously uh, see him a little bit in, in preseason and training camp. And then uh, in Penticton as well, getting to work with him briefly there. And uh, you know, obviously a guy that's, that's really well prepared, uh, pretty intense as well, uh, but seems to be admired by his players and, and obviously his players respond to him. So um, I, I think, I think those, those internal candidates are interesting to me uh, for sure. And I, and I think you have, a few really good ones, uh, you know, and a guy like Ryan Huska, who's been a head coach at different levels and obviously hasn't been at the national hockey league level now, but has been a number of seasons within the flames organization. I think 
you know, Craig, uh, if anybody would have a really good idea of of what Ryan Husk is all about as well. And I'm sure have had a number of conversations over the years about hockey and um, and everything that's going on. I think I think you have a pretty good read on on his internal candidates. I think those are the most intriguing ones to me is where to where do they fall in the packing order and how you know, how uh, desirable are they for that head coaching position and, and, um, and how it might lay out next year in terms of the entire coaching staff. So, um, you know, and I, I think there's a few uh, external as well, but I think you could go down the list uh, of guys that come up, uh, you know, the one that, the one that keeps on, you know, popping up here as of late is Alex Tongay. And that one's an interesting one too, as well, given the history there with the organization, obviously. But, um, but for me, the internal candidates, I think, you know, provide the most intrigue at this time and just uh, where they might fall. Uh, and last one for you. Speaking of uh, guys with history in this organization, uh, of course, it got brought up yesterday with uh, Jerome Ginla and uh, the potential connection between the two. Craig mentioned in the press conference, it's something that him and Jerome have talked about for a really long time. Nothing official yet, Brendan, obviously, but how cool would it be for Flames fans, do you think, to see these two sort of iconic members of the organization back in Calgary in the management role leading this team forward if and when that happens? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, even even hearing Craig talk about it, you know, vaguely a little bit yesterday, I'm sure it had everybody a little, the hair standing up a little bit. I mean, we saw the connection. And even recently, I've been watching some of the highlights, you know, the Connie <laughs> and, and Iggy highlights. And how can you not, you know, be excited about that idea uh, if that's all it is right now? But just that idea and obviously the chemistry. And you, we know that there's a there's a deep friendship and, a, and I'm sure they talk regularly uh, well before this even happened. So, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Jerome is extremely excited, you know, for his pal Craig Conroy first and foremost. Um, but, you know, if there's an opportunity to see that, uh, that combination joined together again, I don't know how you couldn't be excited about that idea and, and what it might mean, what it might look like, uh, you know, who knows, uh, obviously time will tell on that. Um, but, but you could see, that certainly there's some intrigue there, and, and I think there's some promise as well. It, it, that idea um, and what it's meant for the Flames organization in their tenure as players, um, you know, I think, I think there's a lot, of, a, a lot of opportunity moving forward, and obviously Jerome's got his hands full right now. And, and, and again, this is all about Craig Conroy right now um, and, and the fact that he is the new general manager and it's about his plan, but, but that idea, it, it, certainly gets, uh, it certainly gets the excitement level up looking forward. 100% it would be uh, it's already an exciting time like you mentioned and I think something like Jerome coming in would only add to it uh, we'll see if and when that happens but uh, really do appreciate the time today Brennan thanks for joining us for a little bit there and uh, I know we'll check in again as the offseason continues lots still to uh, to get to as the GM gets to work this summer thanks for the time today man yeah thanks pal lots of news to chat moving forward yes take care Brennan Parker joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon you know him as the host of Flames TV joining us to uh that's some more reaction from the Craig Conroy news. Brennan was in town uh, and at the press conference yesterday, obviously uh, covering things for Flames TV, the Flames TV podcast, uh, with some time with Craig Conroy yesterday as he was doing the media rounds as well. So always love checking in with Parks. Appreciate him joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. And uh, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if number 12, look, I, I said this earlier, I fully believe this, uh, if Jerome McGinley, uh, has any sort of desire or want to come back into um, hockey at the NHL level and be in a management role, it should be here. Uh, it should be as a member of the Calgary Flames. And uh, hopefully uh, that's news we get to talk about sooner 
rather than later. We will take a break, come back on the other side. Time to close out uh, our two of the program as we look ahead to game four of the Eastern Conference final uh, and the Panthers with a chance to sweep away the Carolina Hurricanes this coming after a Tuesday night that saw the Dallas Stars push to the brink of elimination against the Vegas Golden Knights. How are these two teams imploding uh, Carolina and Dallas just looking to win a game in this series, not even looking to win the series at this point. We pretty much have our Stanley Cup final set, uh, but what can these two teams do in these last couple games to uh, help the end of their season? We'll talk about that next, and we'll also hear from Jamie Benn with a really lame excuse for some stupid actions yesterday against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll dive into that next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. If you're listening live, you're hearing the sweet voice of Tina Turner, who passed away at the age of 83 on this Wednesday, May 24th. Of course, uh, podcasting rules mean we can't bring you the same uh, tunes over the pod, but uh, some sad news on this Wednesday afternoon. Taylor, you were you were disappointed. My mom and dad made me grow up on the best generation of music, of classic rock. Whitney Houston, Tina Turner. So it's a sad day. That's uh, not fun. No. Uh, obviously teamed up with her husband, Ike Turner, for a dynamic run of hits. Shows in the 60s and 70s, and uh, obviously the chart topping. What's love got to do with it? Uh, passed away after a long illness uh, in her home, actually near Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, she became a Swiss citizen about a decade ago. Uh, so rest in peace to, uh, to one of the great legends of music, uh, Tina Turner, passing away at the age of 83 uh, on this Wednesday, May 24th. Uh, this is our two sports thing today. Logan Gordon along with you, uh, wrapping up the program uh, with some uh, good, uh, any some great uh, NHL talk here. We've got uh, game four, perhaps our first elimination game of the third round, and it could come in four games uh, as the Carolina Hurricanes are on the brink of elimination, uh, something that the Vegas Golden Knights were able to do last night as well over the Dallas Stars. White Cloud rims it hard around and in. Sealed off on the far side by Hanley, who rims it back around. Hintz got it to the line, but didn't get it out. Polisar kept it in. Here's a chance on the backhand, and they score. William Carrier from the right circle beats Ottinger short side. It was an innocuous-looking play, but it's 3-0. 4-0 the final last night. Ugly, ugly performance from the Dallas Stars. Almost as ugly as the play from Captain Jamie Ben. A minute 53 into the game, he takes a questionable hit uh, on Mark Stone, captain of the um, Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, it leads to uh, a cross-check while Stone is down. That's a five-minute major and a game misconduct. Uh, here's a bit of it from the call on Sportsnet yesterday. Play broken up as Jamie Benn will get it to center and then Benn finishes up. Mark Stone will take a penalty for it. 
Bennett stoned down already, but then he gave him an unnecessary shot that'll put him in the box. Stevenson chips it. Ben goes after it. He'll bump into Stevenson. Now he'll try to draw anyone else in with him. He can to go to the box with him. Well, if you're smart, if you're McNabb and you want to deal with this, you don't deal with it right now. You take the power play, take the number. He's not going to be hard to lose in this game. Ben chips it off. Who's this guy? Stone's been just killing them. He's been killing them all series. And everybody knows, including the Dallas Stars, he has an iffy back. He's had a couple of back surgeries. You know he's not 100%. So if you're Ben early in this one, maybe you take a crack at him here. Stone goes down. Very, very slow to get up. It's an ugly play. Uh, Jimmy Ben tries to send a message. He knocks Mark Stone down. And as uh, he sort of goes to the ice with Stone, takes his stick and cross-checks Stone uh, above the shoulder, the neck sort of chin area. He gets a five-minute major and a game misconduct. He is set to have a meeting with the Department of Player Safety to determine whether or not he'll be suspended for his actions in last night's game. Uh, he took a lot of heat and deservedly so last night for not speaking to the media following last night's game. And a few people will say and have said today, well, Jamie Ben knew he was going to have a hearing. He's getting out ahead of himself and not, you know, incriminating himself or not making anything worse for himself ahead of a, a meeting with the Department of Player Safety. I could not disagree more. Jamie Ben is a captain of one of you know 32 teams across the NHL. You cost your team huge. You were already down one nothing in the game. You sent your team on a five-minute penalty kill last night, which the Golden Knights took advantage of, and you sunk your team by not being out there for the majority of the game because of a stupid play. How about wanting to go out and help your case, taking some sort of responsibility for it last night, going out to the media and saying, look, I cost my team, or I apologize for my actions. I didn't intend to hurt Mark Stone. Uh, I was trying to. There's emotions going on. Whatever it is you want to say, own up to some of your actions. I think that would actually probably help your case with the Department of Player Safety. Instead, he doesn't speak to the media yesterday. He did speak to the media today following Star's practice and came up with a pretty lame excuse for his actions in last night's game. Uh, just unfortunate play. Um, I think I just need to be more responsible with uh, my body and my stick and um, you know, put my team in a tough situation. So, um, you know, it's pretty unfortunate. That was my first shift of... Uh, a game uh, on home ice when you're when you're pretty jacked up and um, you know down one nothing so you want to um, you know try and get your team going emotions are high and uh, you know it's just uh, an unfortunate play you know obviously didn't want to take a five minute penalty but um, you know the game happens fast uh, emotions are high and um, obviously would have liked to. To not fall fall on him, and um, I guess use my stick as a landing point. Usually, don't talk to other players in a playoff series on other teams, but uh, you know, I saw he was okay, so that was great. Give me a break, Jamie Ben. 
You're an Olympian, a gold medal, a gold medal winner with Team Canada. You're a captain of the Dallas Stars. Give me a break. Oh, I guess I needed to be more careful. I shouldn't have landed on my, used my stick as a landing. Stop it. We've all seen the video. We all see you push down with your stick. We call it a cross check in hockey. Right to Mark Stone. I, uh, you, uh, you can assume that everyone watching and the media and everyone covering the games is idiot, uh, idiots if you want to, Jamie, but it's just not the truth. I think it's a really sad excuse from a captain of an NHL team to, to come out with today. It all night to think of something or to have the Stars PR team help him with something better to say, and that's what he came up with? Oh, it's an unfortunate play. It's a really unfortunate play that you did intentionally. And to just, just to come up with the excuse, I just, it's how I landed on him. It's not how you landed on him. And your lack of composure showed in your team last night. It showed in some of the fans last night who were throwing things on the ice. Give me a break. That's a terrible excuse and a terrible look from a team captain. I don't care if it's the playoffs and, oh, I don't talk to other guys during the playoffs. Who cares? You could have seriously injured the guy. I have no idea what Department of Player Safety is going to do because that's a a whole other guessing game. I I would assume he's going to be suspended for Game 4. I think he should be suspended for Game 4. I don't imagine we're going to see any massive 5-10 game suspension or anything like that. I I just think it's a really bad look from Jamie Benn. I think you've got to be able to own up to something. Last night, look, I guess in a part he owned up that he put his team in a bad spot. But it just didn't sound like a guy that was super remorseful for his actions in a game that put his team down 3 nothing in a series. And I'm kind of stunned that we're at this point in both of these series, to be honest. Carolina and Dallas. Carolina showed some frustration in a different way. You saw the locker, or I guess the hallway cam, uh, after game three in Sunrise that saw uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi smashing his stick in the hallway after their loss. I'm surprised that Carolina, a team with this much playoff experience and with this sort of veteran head coach, has reached this level of frustration. I know that Sergey Bobrovsky has been great. I know he's the Conn Smythe favorite at this point for a lot of people, myself included. But there's just been there's a, just a little bit lack of composure and a little bit of lack of patience. And I talked about that with the Dallas series. Not only the Jamie Benn's actions show that frustration last night. But, you know, his whole team was like that. Max Domi followed suit with a really stupid penalty against Nick Hag. You got you can't do that. You have no chance. If there was already a slim chance, which it is of coming back from 3-0, you ruin whatever 5 to 1% chance you had by going out and, and showing that the other teams got you beat, not only on the ice, but in your head as well. Because that's what it's proven to me is that Carolina and Dallas right now are down in more ways than one. Not only can they not get it done on the ice, but the other team is straight in their head, and right now they don't have the composure to come back from it. 
Could Carolina absolutely win a game tonight and force this one? Sure. But do I think they're coming back in this series? I don't. I have zero faith in Dallas doing it after the last night as well. There just hasn't been that level of fight back. And again, when you're led by your captain and that's the sort of action that he wants to take, then you're kind of, you know, that's, that's supposed to be your leader. That's supposed to be the guy that, uh, you know, puts you in a position to succeed or have some sort of fight back. Uh, pretty hard task to, uh, to do for both teams. Uh, it's a six o'clock puck drop tonight from sunrise. The Florida Panthers can book their ticket to the Stanley cup final for the first time since 1996. As they take on the Carolina hurricanes, you can catch all the action right here on sports 960. The fan will have coverage for you following flames talk. And then uh, of course, if you want to watch the game, your viewing uh, pleasure can be seen on Sportsnet and CBC. Uh, away from hockey, uh, Taylor, you must have been pretty excited yesterday if you were watching some Blue Jays baseball. What a game. Were you excited? I, were you loving it as much as I was? I love loved it. However, it is a little upsetting that they hadn't, done any of this in their past nine games fair but we're gonna i don't even care that it was a position player uh i mean they did get half their runs on pitchers i don't know exactly so that was enough yeah uh in case you're wondering what we're talking about uh the jays in a very rare occurrence put the boots to the tampa bay rays last night uh in at tropicana field 1-0 there's a swing and a high fly ball Revenge has been struck. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with a grand slam. 15 to 1, Toronto. Grand slam, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. No antics around the bases. This baby's blown wide open. Vladdy got struck out in his first at bat, and he unleashed a mighty wallop. And his second go-around against Rayleigh. And uh, the Jays uh, weren't done there beating up on uh, Luke Rayleigh. Rayleigh deals. Now Chapman sizzles one out to deep left field. That'll bang off the seats. A frozen rope two-run homer off the bat of Matt Chapman. The Blue Jays have scored 17 tonight at the drop. And even Taylor's second favorite Blue Jay got in on the action. 1-1 pitch. There's a ball ripped down the left field line, hooking into the corner, and it's gone. Danny Jansen continues to pour salt into the wound of the Rays. Two-run home run for Danny Jansen, and it's 20-1. Second? Second favorite Blue Jay? I thought Biggio was first. No. Jano first. Jano first and then Biggio? Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. (laughs) I felt bad for Luke Rayleigh, but also, again, this happens in baseball. The game's over. It's a smart play by Tampa Bay. You don't don't waste any more innings from relievers or any of your other good pitchers. The game's over. Just put somebody else in there. Luke Rayleigh's the position player that gets called upon to go in there, and that's what happens when you are not a professional pitcher and you're throwing like 32 miles an hour. They're going to hit bombs. That's what Vladdy did. Chapman did. And as you heard there, 
uh, <laughs> Danny Chanson did uh, as well. So the Jays uh, pick up one of their biggest victories ever against Tampa Bay. But as Taylor said, um, would have been nice if they could have spread that out a bit, a little bit more, you know, instead of just all at once. We could get, you know, six or seven of those in other games for the Jays against Tampa Bay. That would be really nice. But we'll uh, we'll take it one day at a time. Barrios coasts uh, the win. That Jays and Rays series continues this afternoon. A 440 first pitch in Tampa Bay. Jays now 26 and 23. Rays 35 and 15. You can watch this game on Sportsnet. One, Yusei Kikuchi and his 5 and 1 record. Going up against one of the best in the majors this year, Shane McClanahan. He is 7-0, rocking a 2.05 ERA. Sportsnet 1 again uh, for your viewing pleasure tonight, uh, this afternoon, I should say. 440 first pitch, Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, a couple texts at 960-960. Uh, as we close out the hour here, um, going back to the Jamie Benn thing, this text says, how do you know it wasn't the team's decision for him not to speak? I, I don't know that, but I think even from a team perspective, if your captain says, I'm going to go out there and speak and talk about my part in the game, I don't know a PR staff that was going to hold back their, their captain from owning up in a big game like that. And I still think it's incumbent on Jamie Ben to, as one of the captains in the league to go out there and, and, and say something and not come out today and, and say it was an unfortunate landing spot for my stick. That's to me, that's just not, I would expect more from my captain. And uh, you gotta, as this text says, you know, he's not going to say much more before the player safety thing. You should be more upset about how the fans were. Um, yeah. The fans were, were equally stupid last night. Don't ever throw anything on the ice. Don't ever think that that's a good idea no matter how much you disagree with the ref or how upset you are about how the game's going, it's just not a not a good way uh, to go about your business. Saw the Stars owner put out a statement on behalf of the org on the fans. Yeah, don't. I mean, don't do that, man. I mean, that's not a good look for your team. You're in the third round of the playoffs. Don't throw stuff on the ice, man. Don't ever do that. So. Unless apparently you're in Florida and you're throwing rats on the ice. Yeah, but that's okay, but they I mean, do it after the game. Exactly. It's only and there. It's no, over. it's coming. Don't throw popcorn at Aiden Hills. He comes out of the tunnel. Or a chicken nugget at. It's a very different game, but chicken nugget at Eric Halla. Don't throw bottles of beer on the ice. Those things hurt, man. That Plus, they're like better. fifteen bucks. <laughs> Like maybe, people, maybe if you've got more disposable income than I do and you're fine, get your quarterback. Throw a $15 bill at me <laughs> instead of throwing your beer at a hockey player. Just do that. Just I, don't know, I, can't, I could never do that just strictly on the finances of it. Yeah. This beer, this Michelob Ultra that I paid $15 for. I'm going to just hurl it. I feel like it's more than $15. I mean, I'm not the one to speak on it, but I feel like it's a lot more. Couldn't do it. But specifically at different arenas, too. Well, exactly. I mean, playoffs, you're already paying a lot for tickets. Average beer price in Dallas Arena is $14. There was one dude at the Dallas Stars game last round that uh, fully just brought a book, and he was in, like, row three. What book? I don't know, but he was just... He was happily reading that book. There's no way he paid for the tickets. I don't know. <laughs> How pissed would you be, though, if you had, like, playoff tickets to, a, like, good tickets to a game and your buddy brought a book? 
or your date brought a book. <laughs> like, excuse me, question. sir. Like, here, let me just take. This I paid three hundred dollars, bro. It's more like a thousand. Oh yeah, three hundred dollars yeah. for like top of the second bowl, maybe. Oh my god. Can you imagine? You bring your date to the game and they just open Pride and Prejudice next to you. He's reading those <laughs> hockey romance books all over TikTok. Excuse me, sir. I paid $500 for this seat. Let me take this George Orwell book away from you and throw it at something else. 1984. <laughs> A book. <laughs> I'd be so pissed if they did that. What book are you bringing to the Dallas Stars Game four to okay, read instead of watching the monstrosity like, on the ice. Unless it's part of like a gag or something. It's part of like your outfit or something. I don't even know how you would incorporate it. But no, yeah, he would, no. like the camera showed him multiple times and he was just reading this book. He was not paying attention That's at a, all. That's a bad look. That's a bad friend. That's a really bad friend. Or it's even worse if you if those were his tickets. Right? Really, really bad. It's like you're going to sit here. You're going to read uh, To Catch a Mockingbird right in front of the Dallas Stars game? <laughs> I don't I, know. Like, I feel like that's like the guy that like passed out behind, was it the Carolina bench during overtime? I'm like That's more acceptable than bringing the book. Yeah. You've it was been, a late game. Don't, yeah, exactly. It's been a long day. You've been working all day. Had a couple of beers. Surprised I didn't see more books at that. Uh, four overtime game from uh, no, because nobody's <laughs> bringing books. <laughs> Don't bring a Jane Austen novel to the <laughs> stars in the Golden Knights for game four. Trying to go through security. Uh, what is this? Don't bag? ever do that. Security oh, should have yeah, exactly. Security should have just been like, you're not going to need that. It's to kill a mockingbird. No, you don't need that. No, it's to kill a mockingbird. Yeah, I know. Go back to your car and put that in there. You'll have fun. Maybe he needs to use it uh, in case he needs to throw it on the ice. There you go. That'd be even a worse decision. It's a harder financial hit, but softer physically. I feel know? like they're about the same price, aren't they? So 14, 15 bucks, yeah. Yeah. Go to shoppers, grab a book off the shelf. I don't, they don't have shoppers no, we're not, in the US. I don't know. We're not, encur we're not Wait, encouraging barn, any of this. No, that's don't enough. throw we're books. Not, don't throw anything. Yeah. That was the lesson period. I mean, play. unless unless it's no. in warm up, no, unless it's in warm ups, and you have the little sign that says "I'll trade you something for a puck." Unless it's the teddy bear toss, you can. That's yeah. when you throw things on the ice. Strap hmm. it in a pillow or something. I don't know. No, <laughs> don't do any of that. We're getting rid of that type of behavior, Cameron. Um, we'll see if uh, the Carolina Hurricanes can extend their series again. Six o'clock start tonight on Sportsnet. Uh, and CBC, you can listen right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, and then uh, later on this week, Game 4, Stars, and the Golden Knights. Uh, we'll see if that series can get past four games. We will be back tomorrow, same time, same place. This has been Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan.